Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Hello, Kieran. How are you? I'm, I, that's a rhetorical question because I know how you are because we've just been doing our, uh, our Discord session for our ultras and it all got very technical. So I went and watched the football for a bit, came back and it was still technical and he was still dealing manfully with some very... Uh, a lot of people on there tonight and uh, a lot of interesting questions. Uh, we are recording this, Kieran, and we have to be honest, on Tuesday evening because uh, your goings, oh, I can't remember where you're going, some Mickey Mouse tournament you're off to in the morning. It's the capital of Greece, I believe it is. So I've very graciously agreed to do this on a Tuesday evening, but only, Kieran, with the promise that <laughs> you will reciprocate <laughs> when when the time comes for Palace to be in Europe and I'm on a plane to exotic places. So somewhere in the next decade or three, you owe me a favour. <laughs> yeah, when Roy, Roy, Roy Hodgson comes out of retirement again at the age of 95 to lead you <laughs> lead you to, to Munich. <laughs> Don't, not even in jest. Uh, well, apparently, I, I had a phone call from TalkSport today to say, would you, would you come on to... Uh, Talk about the fact that Steve Cooper may be the next Palace manager. So I said, well, A, I'm writing and have I got news for you, so no. B, we already have a manager and Steve Cooper already has a job. Yes. So it would be the most <laughs> ludicrous, <laughs> unnecessary <laughs> speculation. Let's carry on, Kieran, with our, with our news show because I know you're hopping from foot to foot and I know what you're like with punctuality. So you'll probably be leaving for the airport in about five minutes' time, I imagine, because you like to give yourself a, a good five hours <laughs> to make sure you get the play. Um, there is news. I hesitate to say this, Kieran, but we, we we probably need to start every pod in the next few weeks with this. Any new developments on the Everton story? Well, of course, we saw the protests uh, at the weekend at the stadium um, and uh, the Everton fans were very vociferous. We've also seen... Uh, politicians uh, uh, contact the the Premier League and, and contact other authorities with regards to what they consider to be the inappropriate nature of the tariff. Um, I think what was interesting, we, I think this story, we are recording this on Tuesday night and uh, uh, I was multitasking during Discord because uh, I, I decided to make myself a, a very nice anchovy and tarragon butter steak frites tonight uh, whilst answering accounting questions. So it just, just shows that I, I can juggle. Well, men can <laughs> multitask. Um, but by all accounts, Sky did record an interview with the mayor of Manchester uh, and also Everton fan, Andy Burnham, and then they decided not to broadcast it, which I think oh. has upset uh, Andy. Um, I think it's upset Evertonians. And people are saying, well, why is this? And ultimately, it comes down to money because the Premier League is in the process of deciding how to award the domestic broadcasting rights from 2024 onwards. We know that there's going to be more matches made available and Sky wants as many of those matches as possible. So I think Sky doesn't particularly want to be seem to be siding with uh, an individual or individuals who are critical of the Premier League. So 
Um, if Andy is listening, uh, you can come on the price of football. We we decided that we're not going to bid for the rights um, for the Premier League. Yeah, reluctantly, and uh, as as the Premier League are on my naughty step for uh, deciding to go down the non-transparency route and not disclose uh, the distribution of broadcasting rights, uh, you're you're more than welcome. Uh, yeah, well, we've had Andy on the show before in relation to uh, what happened at, uh, at at Wigan Athletic. However, um, just like everybody else, I'm I'm on a few uh, WhatsApp groups. One of which uh, includes a person I can only describe as the secret toffee. Um, <laughs> and from what I understand, I think there is a strong chance of the appeal from Everton in respect of the 10-point deduction, uh, the appeal to come in uh, pretty soon, potentially by the end of this week. And I would imagine it's going to focus on two issues, and we'll, we'll summarise them briefly because we, yeah, we have been down this route before. Um, firstly, in relation to the stadium, you know, one of the conclusions reached by the commission was that spending more money gives you a sporting benefit. And I think in the case of wages, I think in the case of transfer fees, that does have some credibility. In, in the case of a football stadium, which has not yet been built, has not yet been completed, I can't see how that can give you a sporting benefit. So I'd imagine that's going to be one route that the, the Everton team uh, who will be representing them will go down. Um, and the other one, which you know, we, we've raised this, um, there's been a lack, of, again, a lack of transparency, a lack of decision-making from the Premier League, is that when the uh, offence was committed there was no known tariff. So Everton might have thought in, in good faith, for all we know, that, that it would have resulted in a financial penalty. They were pointed out that Queen's Park Rangers were given a financial penalty when they breached financial fair play rules and they came to the Premier League in 2014. And that took four years to resolve. And Everton's has been resolved that much quicker. So I think that's that's where we stand at present. But you know, by the time this show goes out, yeah, we we could have moved on. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a non-stop moving feast. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm I'm less optimistic than you are that the mm. points deduction will be lowered unless they can come up with new information. But the fact that even you are saying they expected a financial penalty indicates that they knew they were operating outside the rules and regulations, and and that, that that's the problem because they were and whether or not the money was spent on a stadium or on players regardless they have spent a lot of money on players Kieran there's no two ways about it and as you said they've before, wasted a lot of money on players well, that's, yeah. that's yeah. exactly it but as yeah. you said before the fact that they didn't spend that money wisely is, mm. is kind of neither here nor there um, mm. I, I love Andy Burnham I'm a big fan of Andy Burnham for many reasons but um, as a friend of mine I was working on Have I Got News For You today and one of the producers is a Manchester United fan who suggested that perhaps the Mirror Manchester might like to be a bit more quiet about the fact that he's an Everton fan at this moment, considering what may be coming down the line for, for Manchester City. Um, a, a lower level, Kieran, we know that Everton are subject to a potential takeover from 777, and we've seen a lot of talk this weekend uh, about whether the asking price may or may not be reduced and how much 777 knew. But a club that we 
were hovering, hovering around the, not the naughty step, but hovering around the the red zone, shall we say, Carlisle United. But just after we recorded last Thursday's show, uh, they moved to different owners. Yes, I think they were in the Amber Gambler uh, territory. Uh, very um, good, very good, yes. And uh, the good news, I think, from Carlisle's perspective, is that Castle Sports, uh, who are owned by the uh, Piatak family, who are an American family, who, who have a number of, that they're a sort of a multi-sports interest family, have taken over the club. And the thing that concerned me most of all was that Carlisle United historically owed a lot of money to a company called Edinburgh Woolen, Woolen Mills. Edinburgh Woolen Mills went into administration. The administrators then sold the debt to somebody else who, for reasons best known to himself, and this person is a billionaire, has decided not to talk to Carlisle. So they had no idea. Is he going to be a sort of a silent benefactor? Is he going to call in the debt one day? They just couldn't get any answers from him. And uh, the great news, I think, is from, from Carlisle's perspective, is that uh, Castle Sports have said that that legacy debt um, has been resolved. Now, whether that's part of the purchase price, whether they've come to a separate agreement, whether they're going to take over the responsibility for repaying that debt, they said no interest will be chargeable by the football club itself. So I think that's that's great from the point of view of certainty. Going forwards, you, you can now sort of set up your football strategy um, and ideally make some progress. Uh, you know, I, I've been to Carlisle as an away fan. Uh, you know, just one of those places where... It, it's a good. It's a good place to go to. It's a long place to go to as well. Yeah, you'd, you'd rather go there in August. I went there in the middle of winter, uh, September. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they're used to being told this. Um, I, I skated over, by the way, deliberately. The fact that you mentioned anchovies, Kieran, because I think you did that in a provocative manner, because you know my view on anchovies. Oh no, I don't. Oh, what? You've got salt. Why do you need anchovies? All this nonsense about melting anchovies into put dig a hole in your lamb or your steak and put an anchovy in it. Why would you put a tiny dead fish in your loot? Um, I know for a fact, Kira, because I, I double checked this in the two minutes we had between. I didn't double check it. I sent a half-hearted email to producer guy who disalterly agreed with me um, in, the, in the time between the end of the uh, the Discord and when we started. This is the first time we have ever mentioned Nuneaton Borough. Mm. on this pod. Uh, and I don't know whether this is good news or bad news, Kieran. I'm hoping it's good news. Uh, it was probably remiss of us, if if truth be told. Um, Nuneaton Borough have themselves been taken over by a new company called DA Capital. But um, the club's effectively been evicted from their grounds by oh. the landlord. Oh. So, uh, yeah, and... They, they they got a capacity of you know four four and a half thousand. Yeah. Um. So they're in the Southern League. Um. They they were effectively being you know, subsidised by one benefactor who said you know there's a limit to what I can do as an individual. So there's a new organisation called DA Capital. Um. So Company's House has been busy today, as far as Nuneaton <laughs> Borough is concerned, and, Fend, uh, and fending you off as well. <laughs> if, yes. Yes, people wondering just how far down do I go uh, in respect of the football pyramid? Um, a long, long way. Um, 
So, so there has been some changes with regards to uh, the owners and the directors of the club. We'll have to wait and see um, whether there can be any resolution as to where the club are going to be playing and do they have certainty of tenure as as tenants? Because it it is it's one of those messy things. It, of course, it has an impact on on small things. So things which supporters of big football clubs won't realise, such as they weren't able to have a, a bonfire night. Now that tends yeah, to be yeah, quite yeah. lucrative, yeah. Um, you know, for for clubs at that level. Um, so new owners. We we welcome them. Um, we we welcome them with open arms, um, but also with scrutiny. Um, you know, because there have been many false dawns at clubs. But you know, we I say uh, I trust that you will uh, acquire this club and, and hold it in deep affection and act as appropriate custodians. Yeah, I think it's fair to say, Kieran. One of the things I love about this pod is that we scrutinise clubs. As far down as we as we go, we'll go down to Sunday League level if there's a story, mm. and the Needs and Borough are relatively high up the pyramid, and so we'll extend our usual invitation to new owners of clubs if they want to come along and talk to us. That would be lovely. Yep. But also, it strikes me you mentioned the Needs and Borough in the Southern League, and I I have this kind of romantic notion that perhaps someday there will be regional. You know, League One and League Two will be replaced by League One, North, League One, South. But Nottingham—they're quite a long way north to be in the Southern League, aren't they? So, yes, they're, they're, are, but, yes. so but it, but it, that makes their finances very interesting as well. It it, it 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 makes my romantic notion somewhat redundant to an extent. But it's a story we'll keep an eye on. And as I said, if anybody from the new owners would like to talk to us, or if any Nottingham Borough fans would like to talk to us. Please get in touch. Um, I'm not sure if Guy has done this subconsciously, Kieran, but we've got another another borough. We've got Peterborough, you know, Peterborough United. Yes. Um... Oh, oh dear, oh dear. I, I apologise in advance to any Peterborough United fans who are listening to this for the first time because that that's not a good yes. Ooh, that was a bit past Paxman esque, wasn't it? Yes, wasn't it? Um... Just, yeah. Yes, um, two of Peterborough United's co-owners have resigned as club directors. Um, now, some people might say, well, is this just a technical issue? Um, I think it's fair to say that there is civil war taking place. Oh, um, On oh. the one hand, at uh, Peterborough United, you've got Darrow McAntony, who I think it's fair to say is the, the colourful and charismatic um, and any other words beginning with C um, <laughs> you could potentially think of. Um, Christmas? Yes, yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, owner of uh, Peterborough. And he, he's, you know, D- Darrow is good value for money, does does a good yeah. podcast, you know, hard talk. Yeah, so I, I yeah, listen to yeah. that and I've got no, issue, no issues with him. I've had, had one or two Twitter spats, has to be said. But to be fair, he, he, he gives and he takes. Um, so there has been clearly conflict at board level in respect of Peterborough. Peterborough have always been a very successful club when it comes to talent spotting and then moving those players on. Um, so that their player trading model has always been very successful. The non-player trading part of the club has not been as successful. Um, there's been issues with regards, again, to... The, the ownership and control of the stadium you know, being switched around here, hither and indeed thither. Um, so 
what concerns me is the local newspaper has has reached out to I think there's two Canadian co-owners to say yeah any, any chance just give us a bit of clarification as to what's going on and they're going yeah we don't particularly want to talk to you and then they reached out to Dara McAnthony and if Dara McAnthony doesn't want to talk to you you know you know as we both know an Irishman that doesn't want to talk is a very very rare beast indeed um so there's just a sense of unease with regards to the operations of the club um and that that's ne- that's never good because you know we know that uh, the internet likes a vacuum and people start to put together two and two and, and you know get get five or six or whatever it's going to be so again what what I would always say here is is be open be honest and uh, and communicate um e- even if it's news that people don't want to hear um the fans are the owners of the club because as we've always said they they buy into the club when they fall in love with it um, at the age of seven or eight or whatever it's going to be, and then they've got that lifelong investment. It, it, it could be, Kieran, as, as we all know from our experience of large Irish families, every branch of the family tends to have uh, a priest, and every branch of the family tends to have somebody who signed a pledge. Uh, and yeah, as a teacher, it's, it's normally, I've worked out it's normally the third son who has to sign the pledge. And has to not. Uh, I don't know if that rings any bells of you, Kieran, but it's possible. But it's funny because Peterborough, I'm just it through, yes, Peterborough, Peterborough, a club we've they've they've sort of been on the edge of our subconscious almost since we started doing this pod. Without ever, you know, they don't own the ground. There's always been something sort of bubbling under, but without there ever being anything to really worry about. But this is. This is an odd one when, as you say, this could be a technical legal matter, but it, it's one of those things that just gets the spidey senses tingling. We know we know it doesn't take a lot to get your spidey senses tingling, but it, mm. it's just one of those things that you start to think that's not brilliant, is it? That, yeah, rumblings and grumblings, I think, is the way that uh, I, I would perhaps describe it. Well, um, well we're middle-aged men, Kieran, so that's pretty much what happens, <laughs> isn't it, really? Yes. Um, QPR are a strange team. I, I, I think Palace fans have got a certain affinity with QPR because they're one of those London clubs that aren't really a London club. And again, they're a club that has sort of been in, on our peripheral vision for quite some time, which makes this one an, uh, an interesting story. Yes, Um yeah, we've spoken already about Carlisle takeover, Nuneaton Borough takeover. We're recording this on Tuesday night. By the time this show goes out, we could have at least one other takeover. Um, already that quickly. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think we could be hearing some things in respect of Rochdale. Um, oh, okay. So, oh, okay. and again, not necessarily brilliant when when you take a look at the. Uh, the, the the new owners and, and Rochdale have been you know through a, a pretty tough period. You know, first of all, le- losing their league status, um, then some of the people that were circulating around the club were pretty much undesirable from a from a governance and custodian point of view. Uh, you know, the likes of Matt Southall are, are never welcome in football, as far as I'm concerned, um, given their his- historical behaviour. Um, so QPR, it was a club that was used as a rich person's plaything. 
and that's fine until those rich persons become bored. Yeah. And I think that's very much the case with QPR. Um, they were, of course, promoted. You know, you know, any any football fan will remember the Aguero game, of course. Of course, In yeah. 2012, where, uh, where Manchester City won the Premier League for the first time. QPR were relegated that day. They then came up quite quickly and... Um, as I've already mentioned in, in the show, that they were subject to a, a substantial financial penalty um, for, for a breach of financial fair play rules. So um, since then, they've got some ridiculously wealthy owners who don't appear to be interested in putting a lot of money into the club. And it's the club sort of ambled around the, yeah. the, the wrong end of the championship. In my view... QPR is quite an attractive proposition because I know you say it's not in London. Well, yeah. Well, well no. What, what I mean is, it's it's it it it's a London club in the same way that Palace and Watford are, are yes. London clubs. You, you've got Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs, West Ham. You, you're kind of A-list London clubs that are supported by people all over the country and all over the world. And you've got clubs like Palace, Orient, Brentford, QPR, Fulham that are mainly supported by people within 20 30 miles of of the club so they're they're a they're, they're a local want, call, they're a local london yeah club. they're yeah, a local yeah. a proper a proper london club if you like but yeah. as you say I, I always think they should be very a very attractive proposition decent history decent kit which counts for a lot for me really good atmosphere for, especially for evening games at, at loftus road or whatever it's called now so you imagine it's i'm i'm surprised it hasn't been sort of uh, more people have been circling in the last few years. Yes, and it, it looks as if the club is now making more effort to to market itself. Yeah. Um, so what's happened is that the owners have, have gone to some bankers and say, "Any chance of shifting this? You know, we're we're going to be a little bit more enthusiastic from the sell side in the form of finding owners," and and I think. Yeah, exactly the same as you. It, it's a very attractive proposition, not just for kit, stadium. It's it's London. You know, of yeah, yeah, of course. Overseas owners, especially American owners, love the idea of of a London based club. And it's close got Premier to Premier League history, close, close to the, the airport. airport you know, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we'll we'll have to wait and see there, but it, it's certainly one which would be ripe for plucking. Um, from from a, a, an ownership point of view, the pound's still relatively weak, so you can get it uh, che- you know, that much cheaper as an overseas owner. Um, there's a lot to be said for buying into QPR. You've then got the elephant in the room, which is, like all clubs in the championship, it's, it's losing a few hundred grand a week. Lincoln City, Kieran, are a club you've always been uh, an admirer of. So I'm assuming that this story is a good one. Yes. Um, this, this again, is a company's house uh, requisition. And I, I don't know I don't know what we've created, Kevin, but... <laughs> we? <laughs> we, I think. We? <laughs> Lincoln fans were, were on, on, on the Twitter march uh, at me this morning... When, when this story came through on company's house, what's going on? Can you explain? Um, in respect of Lincoln City, there are 
two companies, one of which is called Lincoln City Holdings and one of which is Lincoln City Football Club. And Lincoln City Holdings owns Lincoln City Football Club. Now, what's happened here is that Lincoln City Holdings have raised £1 million in fresh cash, but Lincoln City Football Club has only raised a quarter of a million. So people are going, well, yeah, those, those two numbers, they normally equate to one another. Um, so so I've done a little bit of ferreting. Um, <laughs> again, spoken to some local journalists, tried to get my ear yeah. to the ground. Um, spoken, spoken to a secret imp. As, as one does. Of course. And um, what I understand is that um, there's been some overseas interest in Lincoln and overseas investors have put a million pounds into the overall holding part of the company. The football club doesn't need all of that money yet. And, and therefore, what it said is that we'll take a quarter of a million pounds now like all clubs, it's it's losing money on a month-by-month -month basis. So this money will go in the form of fresh working capital. It hopes it doesn't need to draw down any more of the money this season, but it's there as a sort of a backstop um, in case uh, you know there's uh, there's a need to do so. So I I I, I know people at Lincoln. I've, I've attended um, fans board meetings and so on. Um, and I do think that they're a very progressive club and, and they they set a standard uh, in terms of both values and, and professionalism that the other clubs should try to repeat. Interestingly, I mean, that sounds, what you've described sounds like very prudent management to me, but it's very different to what you've talked about in the past because normally when Lincoln wants to raise money, they just issue more shares, don't they? Well, they, they have. I mean, they, they, the money's come in in the form of shares. Um, they they do have uh, a, a a split split ownership. So there's there's a guy called Clive Nates who's who's sort of yeah. been a sort of very generous benefactor. I think he's trying to diversify the ownership ownership model. Um, so they they do have some other owners as well, and this has come from from those. So it means that, that they will have increased their stake in the club, but but Clive will still have a controlling interest. These next two stories, Kieran, I'm going to file under uh-oh, um, because the first one involves both Watford and our favourite Australian loan, uh, I nearly said Sharks there, Kieran Macquarie. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, this will also be filed under Groundhog Day as far as this yeah. particular relationship between these two organisations are concerned. So what has happened here is that... Watford sold uh, Ismaila Shah um, to, I can't remember, some, I think it was Roma, some, somewhere. Uh, so, um, and they are owed um, around about 11 million euros in outstanding transfer fees. And, and the money is due to be received effectively every six months or so. And it's sort of a million and a half here and two and a quarter million there and so on. And this means that um, the Watford finance director effectively has five or six IOUs sitting uh, in his or her desk, um, not doing very much. So he's gone to Macquarie, or she's gone to Macquarie, and they've said, hey, "What will you give us for these fine pieces of paper?" And Macquarie says, "We'll give you. We won't give you eleven million euros, but we'll give you something." Uh, so it, it's it's effectively a, a corporate payday loan. Um, corporates don't like to hear it described thus 
they prefer to use the phrase invoice discounting. But when you actually look at the characteristics of it, it has the characteristics of a payday loan. It's money you're going to receive at a future date, which you cash in now. And when you do receive the money, it goes across to the lender. So Watford have history in relation to this. Um, it's normally indicative of cash flow bumps in the road. That isn't necessarily a disastrous thing. We've seen uh, Leicester City do it with the sale of uh, Fofana and Madison and so on. Um, we, Leicester also did it with Harry Maguire. Uh, Liverpool did it with um, Coutinho and so on. So you know, it, it is something which is quite common in the world of football. Um, but the monies involved are quite substantial when you're a, a club which is in the championship. Um, and Macquarie aren't doing it out of love, mainly because uh, for people not familiar, Macquarie um, were in charge of Thames Water, um, which is one of the uh, big utility companies here in the UK. And uh, if ever you wanted to brush your teeth in brown water, you've got <laughs> Macquarie to thank for that. Yeah. Um, let's not, we've said this before, Kieran, if we start talking about the water companies in this country, we will, we'll be here all <laughs> night anyway. Two things, so it's, it's a payday loan, so that implies interest. Do we know how much the interest is? And secondly, is there... Um, a, a, a level of complacency that's that sets in for football clubs like Watford when they know that any cash flow problem can kind of be resolved by going to Macquarie. Do they are there clubs that rely on that as a as a backup rather than sort of deciding to be more sensible financially? Um, well, in in terms of the interest rate, we're not certain. It will probably be somewhere in the region of nine to fifteen percent. Um, what I would imagine on the lower end of that wow. particular scale. Um, is it complacency? I, I don't. I don't necessarily think so. All, all transfers these days are done on a instalment basis, and um, there is a huge industry. And yeah, I mean, I mean, huge. You know, we are talking hundreds of millions of pounds worth of of businesses now going through um, these organisations who who are prepared to say that you know, we we know just how much is owed by. Yeah, you know, if, if you take Premier League clubs, Premier League clubs between them owe over two billion pounds in outstanding wow. instalments um, to other clubs. So somebody's always willing to come along and say, "Well, yeah, I can do you a deal with this." Right. Yeah. Um, I, I meant to say this at the start, by the way, Kim, but well done for being on the uh, uh, on Manchester Day Two the other night as part of the introduction to the Everton game. I, I had rather hoped that perhaps they might have a an excerpt from our Everton special, but it's just lovely to see you there and, and lovely to see our, our book in the back of the shop, Kieran. Well done. Yes, um, if, if only they'd uh, they, they'd got our name right. Because <laughs> they they said Kieran Maguire the prices. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah, that'll be an underpaid intern. Let's not blame them for that. Um, and speaking of match of the day two, Kieran, one of its uh, ex hosts, Adrian Charles, we know is mm. a, a listener to this pod, and we're we're very big fans of his, and of course he's a very big fan of West Brom. And I I I don't like the cut of this next news stories 
jib, Kieran West Brom borrowing more money, basically. Yes. Um, uh, uh-oh. I'm going to try to be positive about this. Um, and the reason for this is that West Bromwich Albion have uh, registered a charge, which is effectively extended a mortgage with MSD Holdings. Now, MSD Holdings is a, is effectively controlled by Michael Dell of Dell Computing fame, and it specialises in lending money to the entertainment and sport industry with a particular degree of enthusiasm for football clubs. Um, it did lend £20 million to the West Bromwich Albion Group Limited. Now, I've probably got this wrong, but you've got West Bromwich Albion Group which then owns about 87% of West Bromwich Albion Holdings, which in turn owns West Bromwich Albion Football Club and so on. Um, And West Bromwich Albion Group have borrowed more money. Now, we don't know how much. um, So we had to, of course, uh, find ourselves a secret baggie who who seems (laughs) to be of the opinion that it's Probably in the region of eight to ten million pounds. Wow! Um, and it's and it's there to pay the wages. You know, it's, it's uh, and and this is always makes me slightly twitchy um, because if a football club's not generating enough money, and November is a dreadful month for football clubs because oh, if you think about it, you've you've had an international break, so that's one weekend that's not take place. Um, Season ticket holders have already paid for their season tickets, uh, so you've yeah. got no. So you're only actually probably selling, you know, a, a few thousand tickets for an individual match. And if you know West Bromwich Albion, they're likely to have a wage bill, you know, in because they have just come down from the Premier League a couple of years ago. So it's probably going to be in the region of eighteen to twenty million pounds. Um, and they're 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 probably generating, you know, six. Six or seven thousand tickets at twenty pounds a piece, uh, a piece. Um, they'll be generating no cash around at this time of year. Um, so, so therefore, it's quite a, a challenging month. And I think it's no surprise that we've seen you know, Lincoln City's here owners putting money in, yeah, yeah. Watford having to go to Macquarie, and West Brom having to go to to MSD. Um, Taking a positive spin on this, I think West Bromwich Albion are very much in play as far as uh, the sale of the club is concerned. And the fact that MSD have been willing to lend could be that they are aware of negotiations between the the West Brom current owner and prospective owners, and and they've got a degree of faith in in any prospective owners, um, and therefore they're willing to lend on that basis. Otherwise, I think they'd be just a little bit twitchy about putting more money into West Brom uh, because they'll be thinking, how are we going to recover this as far as our investment in the club is concerned or our our lending to the club is concerned? All this talk of peaches, Kieran, subconsciously you're in Greece already, aren't you? You're, you're you're off the plane already. You're you're on some kind of I'm not pedalofa. You're on, you're on some kind of moped, aren't you? With a, another Brighton fan skirting around the outskirts of Athens, picking peaches off trees. Also, the secret baggie—that's the most sinister-sounding one we've had yet. <laughs> the secret. Um, our last two stories, Kieran, are about women's football, mm-hmm. and in the last couple of the weeks, we've had a we've had sort of negative stories, positive stories. Both these stories look like they are 
positive ones for women's football. And the first one involves the Women's FA Cup. Yes. So we now have a sponsor for the Women's FA Cup. Yeah. Um, and it's Adobe. So yeah, yeah. global brand. Um, a different demographic as an organisation from what we're historically familiar with in relation to sponsorship. Um, and, and I think it's it's indicative of the strength of the Women's FA Cup that it can sign a deal with a global blue chip organisation because Adobe wants to be associated with success and, and it's it, it's not going to, to, to get involved in a competition unless it feels that it's uh, it's going to have an increase in its profile. So the uh, Women's FA Cup will have this sponsor. I've, I've tried to find out how much is involved, but at, at this point in time, I don't know how much. Um, Adobe has got a new suite of, of products called uh, Adobe Express, which is AI-based, and it's uh, you know, if, if any, you, know, you work in the creative industries, but any of you've got any friends who are involved in photography or, or or things of that ilk, you know, they, they will be using Adobe products. Um, and by all accounts, uh, this will allow people to, uh, you know, to tweak photos and to put up flyers and, it, and it's linking to social media. So I think it's sort of a, a very, uh, you know, Web 3.0 uh, tie up. And I think that's perhaps the direction that the women's game wants to go it wants to be independent of the men's game which is very much seen as being having a close relationship with the car industry the auto you know the the airline industry the the gambling industry and so on and and it's going in a slightly different direction um and that's why i think it's a it's a positive step and uh you know a, a good one for the women's game yeah, one of the things I pride ourselves again on this pod, Kieran, is that uh, I don't think AI will ever replace us because AI would have to be really, really clever to get all the 70s references. Yes. That we, you'd have to be really well-programmed AI to get, <laughs> to get some of those. Uh, Patrick Troughton, the A-team, what? This final story, Kims, we we talked about how last week a proposed revamp of women's football, which we thought was a very good idea, looked like it had been rejected by some of the bigger clubs. And we we talked about how it's the possibility of the fact that it was maybe it's already too late for women's football and that it was already dominated by four or five teams at the highest level of the WSL. But there may have been a rethink. Yes, so we're recording this on Tuesday, and uh, a yes, few hours you, ago, because you have to go to Athens, Kieran. We know that to watch your team in uh, whatever uh, you know, whatever this, this competition some, is. It, it's a knockout, Jeux Sans Frontières, or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, AI. Deal with that reference. Eddie Waring and Jeux Sans Frontières. Go <laughs> playing the and joker. Here, here come, here come the Belgians. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. Uh, the, the good news, uh, as far as the women's game is concerned, because the the football, the FA, didn't really want to be involved in running the league, but it's sort of been the guardian of, of the women's game. So it's been looking to to find somebody else to to run it, and it's now going to be run by the clubs themselves. Um, and it's going to. There's been a vote which has taken place today, which has been unanimously passed by the clubs in both the WSL and the Women's Championship. 
Um, so a new company is going to be set up, and it's going to be headed by Nikki uh, Duche, uh, or Duce. Uh, apologies if I pronounced that wrong, uh, former uh, very high executive at Nike, an investment banker. Um, and you know, my, my reservations about investment bankers is that they're interested in bottom line rather than football. But uh, you know, having also worked for Nike, she, I'm sure she'll understand the uh, the importance of of football too as a as a community asset. So this will allow the the women's game to now go forward as on a sort of a, as a unified product and be able to go and find some more global sponsors and and to set up the rules for distribution of money. And ideally, and I know we've said this, not to become men's football part two yeah, in the sense yeah. that you'll have exactly the same clubs dominating it. Um, so good news, something something to be welcomed. And, and also breaking news, Kieran, in women's football, is it, it looks like the potential investment in Lewis women's team may have fallen through because it didn't involve the men. Is that right? That seems to have happened today. Um, yes, the, the the deal with uh, Apollo, was it Apollo thirteen um, has fallen through. Um, so Apollo was a US investment company which was set up specifically to invest in women's clubs. Um, and reading the the press release on the Lewis FC website, it effectively was saying um, we're not sure that we're in alignment with sort of the strategy and values of the new owners. And uh, for people who are not familiar uh, with Lewis, and and Lewis is the hipster's hipster club um, (laughs) of Sussex. Um, Whoa, whoa, says the Brighton fan. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, compared to... Yeah, compared to Brighton, Lewis is light years ahead of wow, uh, in, okay. in, in grooviness. Um, uh, and and I've, I've met our, our mutual friend Julian in the pub in Lewis um, on uh, occasion. Yes. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, there, there is no such thing as lager in Lewis. It's pure, <laughs> pure, real, <laughs> real ale nonsense. Um, and... and both the women's team and the men's team have the same budget. And uh, I, I know we, we went, myself and, I think I've told this story before, but uh, myself and the Baroness were very kindly invited to the club um, and we went in the boardroom. And then the, the Baroness was was asked to go and help uh, to pick the organic uh, <laughs> organic radishes, which were the Man of the Match uh, award prize from from the community garden, and you can't get more hip than that, surely. <coughs> well, person of the match would be a little bit more hip. Person, Kieran, of the match, yes, absolutely, yeah. yes. Um, are we sure it's Apollo thirteen, Kieran, and not? I've got Mercury thirteen. Mercury thirteen. Sorry, sorry, sorry yeah. I was thinking of something else. Yeah, to 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 save those. Tweets that we're going to get. So yes. Apollo 13 is not in a situation to invest in everything. Uh, okay. Thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod as well, that would be very kind of you. And it will get you access to our chat community and our regular quizzes. And you can do that by going to patreon.com slash price of football. If you have a question you like answered on the show, for our regular mon- uh, Monday questions pod, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. Kieran and I will be in Hastings in December 
for an event for East Sussex Libraries, which is on Wednesday the 13th. We'll be talking about our new book and all sorts of football stuff as well, and there'll be signings and chit-chat and gossip. Tickets are free, but very limited, so if you want them, I think most of them are gone, but you can click on the link in the show notes and register for your ticket. Uh, I've run out of jokes. It's, it, producer guy is resolutely refusing to change 967. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll deal with that anger when we get down there about whether it's 1056 or 1066, the Battle of Hastings, or as we historians would call it, the Battle of Senlac Hill. Uh, and if you'd like to buy our book or one of our other books, get yourself a Price of Football t-shirt. You can find details on our website, priceoffootball.com. We'll be back on Monday for that questions pod on the other side of Kieran's hopefully successful visit to Athens. I've never been to Athens. I'd love to see it. It's a, it, I, I've been to one Greek island uh, in a desperate attempt to uh, revive a flagging relationship which didn't work. So you know, I won't be going back to Rhodes again. Let's put it that way. Uh, but I would love to go to it, and I, I do. I generally hope you have a lovely time, Kieran. It must be very exciting for you to to get to travel to see your football club in Europe. Uh, and I hope you get back safely and with a nice suntan, full of tzatziki <laughs> and peaches that you've stolen from trees as you go by in that moped, as though you're filming some kind of low budget cookery. Ch- I, I can't stand the fact that Brighton are in Europe and win. I really, <laughs> generally, <laughs> really annoy me. Uh, in the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Zavros Maguire for his customary farewell. <laughs> Well, well, thank you very much, Kevin. Uh, myself and the Barris were, were married in Greece, so you had a were flagging you? relationship, and we—I didn't know we that. Had, uh, we, yes, really, um, yeah. And and the 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 worst thing was that we were unable to look at each other during the service, and, and the reason for this is yeah. that the we, we were married. We were married in Greek, so we have no idea what was being <laughs> said. Um, so that was that was one thing. Yeah, we, we just smiled. We just smiled a lot. Um, we, we could, but we couldn't look at each other in the eye because the, the gentleman who was conducting the service, and it, and it was beautiful. It was on the island of Santorini. It was up in the mountains. We were looking down at the caldera. Uh, it was at sunset. Yeah, it was boxes being ticked. But he was wearing one of the suits that the Liverpool team wore in the 1996 FA Cup final. Remember the Spice Boys? It was an all-white suit. And he also, he he spoke in the accent of the policeman from Allo Allo. So you put all that together. And, of course, we didn't want to, we didn't, you know, we want to be res- respectful. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, yeah, it's an important day in our lives. But we must be the only couple ever to be married who are unable to look at each other during the service. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean it's an important day in our lives? It's, it's more than important. I, I married, we were married in Greek. That's just, so that's just, <laughs> there's a sitcom there. We're married in. <laughs> married. You're definitely married, though, aren't you? You are. That's. You, uh, uh, we have a Greek you, marriage certificate. You've yes. ascertained. Oh, oh yeah, you've ascertained that. Fine. Yes. That doesn't mean you're only married in Greece, though, does it? Uh, no, I'm no. Just we, worried, I'm just worried about your Catholic, your Irish Catholic mother, Kieran. That's what I'm worried about. To be uh, yeah, yeah. Know, she, she's, she's given up on me. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know if we need it in the meantime, Kieran. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I need to hand you over to our customary farewells. I'm going to have to be laughing all the way through, but I will anyway. Because see if you can pick two people that are funny and that you're married in Greek. <laughs> um. So uh, thank you for for all the kind words. Um. And also thank you to everybody at uh, Seagulls Over London who who invited me to to their parish mm-hmm. in Farringdon uh, last night. So. Mm. Uh, T- tales were told, of course. Uh-huh. Um, only the types of tales that people who've been to our live shows will know what I'm talking about. Um, and there's various <laughs> ways that you can support the show. And one of those ways is to give us a, a review. And uh, you could even say, uh, if you give us a review, you would rather have the show presented by Patrick Stewart and Anthony Taylor. Who is a man who is provoking a lot of reaction in Brighton yes. at present? I thought he had a good game. I seem to be the only Brighton fan who thought actually he did okay on Saturday. Um, and uh, you know, I, I do feel sorry for all of those clubs that are going through crises at present. Um, as Brighton fans, you know, our captain uh, Lewis Dunk was uh, sent off yes, for first. foul and abusive language, and. The, the big debate is, was he sent off for calling Anthony Taylor a fucking bellend or <laughs> was he sent off for calling Anthony Taylor a bald prick? And that is that is the extent of the debate uh, that's going on in the fans' forums at present. Yeah, Neither of time, which, of course, are acceptable. Of, of course, absolutely. First time in 17 seasons, isn't it? Somebody's been mm-hmm. sent off for foul abuse. Yeah, since Alan Smith, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. Uh, and interesting, of course, Anthony Taylor looks a little bit like a young Patrick Stewart. Indeed. Uh, who I had a very, when he hosted the I Got News For You, uh, wasn't in a very good mood for some reason, mm-hmm. so... Because I'm the only writer who can look people in the eyes, they kicked me into his room, like they normally do. To and we, I, I, I just basically went uh, Huddersfield, Dennis Law, and we had a lovely two-hour chat about his passion for Huddersfield Town Football Club. He was delightful Fantastic. chap. And of course, Lewis Dunk will be available for the uh, Palace game. So it'll be his return game. Of course, it will. And so we know who's going to score the winner in that one deal. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Have a lovely time in Athens, Kieran. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>